0: So I'd like to start off our time uh, with the same question that Dave asked just a little bit ago. Uh, The last time you experienced suffering, how did you respond? Uh, Did you complain about it? Uh, Did you make light of it? Uh, Did you embrace it? Uh, Did you run from it? Uh, Contrary to what the world thinks, uh, Christians know suffering is for our good produces something in us more precious uh, than gold and as we'll see today it's not only for our good uh, but also for the good of others so turn with me in your Bibles to 2nd Corinthians uh, chapter 1 we're gonna start in verse 3 to verse 7 it can be found on page 964 in your pew Bibles That's 2nd Corinthians chapter 1 verses 3 to 7 page 964 uh, in the pew Bibles As you turn there, uh, a little bit of context to help us understand where we're at today. Uh, The book of 2 Corinthians is written by the Apostle Paul as a response to a complex history between him and the Corinthian church. To to briefly summarize, Paul was in every way uh, this church's spiritual father. Uh, He brought them the gospel. He established the church. But after he left, this church fell into all kinds of heinous sin. Uh, They even turned on Paul. Uh, questioning his, the legitimacy of his apostleship. Uh, in short, Paul's relationship with the Corinthian church was one of lovingly calling them to repentance over and over again. And finally, after three letters and two visits, one of which was called the, the painful visit, the Corinthians were showing fruit in keeping with repentance. But there was still a small minority in the church who opposed Paul and his teaching, thus jeopardizing the unity of the church. So uh, 2 Corinthians is a defense of Paul's apostleship. And he begins his defense not not by addressing the haters, uh, but instead by strengthening the faithful, uh, which is what we see happening in our text for this morning. Paul is strengthening them with the truth of promised comfort in the midst of suffering. Uh, the truth of promised comfort in the midst of suffering. So with that context in mind, I will read our passage for this morning, starting in verse 3 of 2 Corinthians. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. As Christians, we must have a, a framework, uh, a paradigm, a theology of suffering. Because as followers of Christ, uh, suffering is not optional. But instead, the very means in which we see our Savior more clearly. It's in suffering that God's comfort is clearest. In other words, it's one is a gateway to the other. Now, I want to make clear from the beginning of our time this morning that, that Paul has in mind in this text a comfort given by God in light of suffering for the name of Christ. Uh, but the, the application of this text is, is much more broad. For the Christian who lives in a fallen world, God, God's comfort is always available in Christ. Uh, so please don't leave this sermon thinking that, well, the only legitimate suffering is when I'm doing so in light of you know, the name of Christ. There are many kinds of suffering, and there is abundant comfort offered and to be found in Christ. Uh, So my hope in our time together is that we would see the shining stars of God's comfort against the pitch black sky of Christian suffering. Together, let's grow in our theology of suffering that we would see the truth that for those who love God, all things do really work together for their good, including suffering. Brothers and sisters, hold fast to the fact that in our suffering, we have a God who cares, a church who bears, and a brother who shares. So for those taking notes, I have three points this morning, all of which are looking at suffering through the lens of comfort. So point number one, I'm just going to go ahead and list them all out. Point number one. The source of our comfort being God. We see this in verses 3 and in the beginning of verse 4, so we'll call that 4a. Uh, The goal of our comfort, others, verses 4b and 6. And then 3, the hope of our comfort, verses 5 and 7, that being Christ. So as you can tell, we're going to be bouncing around a little bit in the text. But I think tackling this text based on the themes that are arising out of particular passages will help our time together. So beginning with the source of our comfort, uh, God. If you've spent any time reading Paul's letters to different churches, you may have noticed something a little bit odd uh, and strange about how he starts off 2 Corinthians, something uncharacteristic. Uh, Normally, Paul's letters begin with a greeting, which we actually do see here, uh, followed by a prayer of thanksgiving and sometimes even shout-outs to particular people who were helpful uh, or encouraging in his ministry. Uh, But instead, here... Paul moves from a greeting to a benediction. Uh, by way of definition, a benediction is a declaration or prayer of blessing from God upon his loved ones. Often they're brief. They offer words of assurance. They're designed to bring joy, peace, comfort, and security to those who place their trust in Jesus. Uh, Benedictions, they're common throughout the New Testament. But what's odd about this one is its location. right? They're normally... A note to end on. Yet here, Paul more or less begins with a benediction. He, he turns the eyes of the Corinthians directly to God. Uh, not suffering, uh, not even the topic of comfort, which he's going to get into, uh, but God. There, there's a lesson for us even in the way that Paul begins this letter. Uh, when you're going through a trial, where, where do you turn first? To God? To others, to yourself. Now, before I go any further, uh, we need to establish two definitions. I'm sure you've noticed by now there's some significant repetition in this passage. Uh, he uses, Paul uses some version of the word comfort ten different times in f- these five verses, and or afflicted, either or th- of those words, seven different times. So it would be helped to really grasp what he means when, he's, when he uses tho- those words. Uh, when Paul mentions comfort, uh, he's encompassing ideas such as help or, or, or consolation or, or encouragement. Uh, the comfort that we receive from God, it's, it's an active comfort. Uh, as one author put it, it brings not merely outward relief, but the knowledge that there is one who loves and cares. A God who sees distress and answers lament. Uh, comfort is is the overall disposition that comes from resting in God's sovereign and loving rule as a result of Christ's lordship. An overall disposition that comes from resting in God's sovereign and loving rule as results from Christ's lordship. And now affliction uh, or suffering, both of these words are very much interchangeable. Paul is trying to get across a sense of, of pressure, a pressure that creates burdens and anguish and and trouble. Uh, It can be external or it could be internal. So to be clear, Paul is not casting this net so wide that every form of suffering or affliction we experience can fit in it. Uh, There are some trials and some suffering that we experience in this life that is directly due to our sin. Can the Lord be gracious in comforting us even when we find ourselves suffering due to sin? Of course, of course he can. But as I mentioned earlier, what Paul has in mind here is suffering for the name of Christ, experiencing burdens and trials, afflictions, either directly or indirectly as a result of faith in Jesus. And so Paul begins, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Paul starts out by blessing or praising God, by rightly recognizing God for who he really is. The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not going to get into a theology of the Trinity here, but I do want you to notice one thing about Paul's word choice. All throughout Scripture, we see similar acknowledgments of God. Uh, For example, in Exodus, we see God describe himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Or, Or in Daniel, he's described as the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Indeed, God has a particular people for himself. But here in 2 Corinthians we see blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus replaces all the names that came before him because all they did and all they said was fulfilled in him. The source of our comfort begins in knowing that God in Christ has gone before us. And Paul, he continues to zoom in on God as the comfort as the source of our comfort uh, by stating that he is the father of mercies and God of all comfort. Mercy, uh, not receiving a punishment that is deserved. In Jesus, God has revealed himself as the father of comfort, the God of all comfort, the father of mercy. God's mercy was present before Christ indeed, but it is uniquely present in Christ, in the person and work of of Jesus, we meet God in absolute and unconditional mercy. And as we reflected on 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 Good Friday, it's not because God will not judge. No, no, not at all. But because that judgment is placed on Christ at the cross. God is the father of mercies. He is abundant in mercy. As uh, Richard Sibbs once put it, there is more mercy in Christ uh, than sin in us. He's not only the father of mercies, but the God of all comfort. Not some comfort, not a little bit of comfort, uh, but all comfort. This next phrase, it really just deepens the meaning of the father of mercies. It's as if Paul is saying, no, 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 you you have to understand here. Uh, If mercy is found in him, then all comfort flows from him. Beloved, no loss is too great. Uh, No sorrow or pain too deep for the transcendent and utterly real and satisfying comfort that God freely gives in Christ. And just in case uh, we miss that first all, uh, Paul gives us another one. Not only is God mercy and comfort, but his actions testify to his title. He, he really does comfort us in all our afflictions. Do, do you know that? Have you experienced that? There is a comfort to be had in God in every trial. I wonder what trials you are currently facing. What keeps you up late at night, whether it be physical or mental? What's been weighing heavy on your mind and been leading you to sadness and discouragement lately? You know, for some of you, it may take a moment to answer those questions, Uh, But for others of us, suffering is so present in our lives right now that I didn't even have to finish that question before you already had an answer. Is it hope deferred? Is it a broken relationship? Is it a besetting sin? Is it a physical ailment? Uh, Christian, whatever suffering you find yourself in, uh, look to the source of comfort. Uh, Look to him in his word, uh, in prayer, in the fellowship of his people. It's in looking to the source that we find strength in times of need. As the old hymn says, Thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide. Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings all mine with 10,000 beside. Uh, Nowhere in scripture does God promise to remove trials on this side of glory. Uh, But what he does promise is that he will be with you through every single one. When you feel alone, he's with you. When you feel overwhelmed, he is with you. When you feel as though your sin will never be overcome, he is with you. Greater is the one who is in you than he who is in the world. The sheer fact that God is with us, his Holy Spirit indwells us, it changes our perception of our suffering. You know, as, as many of you know, uh, Chelsea, my wife, and I, we have two boys, uh, Ryle and Zeke. And as you child care workers probably really, really know, these two boys, they are mama's boys, like to the, to the fullest. Our two-year-old in particular, he's at that clingy stage, you know. Uh, the, interesting, the interesting thing, though, is that he, he doesn't even really need Chelsea to hold him per se, or even be necessarily talking to him all the time. Uh, what he wants, though, is for her to just simply be near him. He feels a sense of security from her presence alone. Uh, The same goes for the Christian. God's presence alone changes how we feel. His presence alone reminds us of his power. God, our source of comfort, is not a weak God. He is powerful. He is able to comfort us in all our affliction because he himself bore our affliction. On the cross. He died and three days later rose to life. Friends, Paul could use the word all uh, because Christ conquered death itself. All suffering and affliction experienced is is not insignificant, oh, but it is lesser. Uh, No suffering is greater than that which Christ endured on the cross for us. Saints of Oakhurst Baptist Church, as you suffer trials in this life, uh, call to mind the gospel fact that God is with you. And God is powerful. Affliction for the Christian at its core is intended for our good, uh, for our growth, and deeper experiences of God's comfort. This comfort is not only for us, uh, but it is also for others. Which brings us to point number two, the goal of our comfort. Others, verses 4b, the rest of 4, and verse uh, 6. There is an aim. Uh, a purpose, a desired outcome that uh, results when we receive comfort from God. And, and really, this should come as no surprise for the Christian, when the greatest command is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and the second command being like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. When God comforts us, it's not intended to stop with us. Whether we realize it or not in the moment, Yes, that comfort is for your good, right? Yes, indeed, it's for you. But it's also for the good of others, which results in God being glorified. We see this idea in the rest of verse 4 and then in verse 6. I'm going to read it again for us, starting in the second half of verse 4. So that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. And then down to verse 6. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our comfort is for others and for salvation. Uh, One commentator called receiving God's comfort as being indebted and equipped to communicate divine comfort to those afflicted. Uh, We receive comfort to, to give comfort away. Uh, it's, it's similar to evangelism right god does not give you the gospel and all of its benefits for you to keep it to yourself no right the gospel at its root is meant to be shared and the same goes for comfort when the lord in his kindness comforts us in the midst of trials we at that moment have a testimony uh, a testimony of his grace in our lives when shared will bring him glory and equip our fellow brothers and sisters in what it is to seek the lord in whatever trial they may be facing. We have a responsibility, a responsibility when, when comforted by God to seek to comfort others. This is why Paul could wholeheartedly say to the Corinthians, if, or, or we could even say when, we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. Why? Because if, again, we could say when, we are comforted by God, it is for your comfort. It, it's a win-win, right? The catalyst is suffering. The result is comfort for your good, for the good of others, and the glory of God. Paul was speaking from firsthand experience. You know, later in this chapter, we see that Paul himself had experienced such affliction that it caused him to despair of life itself. Uh, This is the same guy, right, who, who was shipwrecked. He was stoned, beaten, lost whipped imprisoned hungry tired cold anxious in all kinds of danger and yet with the fresh emotional pain that the corinthians themselves were causing him he could say the lord comforted me for your comfort friends we see in paul's life and in our lives that comfort is nothing other than the gospel at work in the life of the believer the next time you find yourself going through a trial Uh, Take time to to lift your eyes off of the trial itself and consider ways in which your suffering that you're experiencing and the comfort that God provides in the midst of that suffering can be used to help someone else. Uh, Literally, ask yourself, how might God be using my trial for the good of others? And if you've learned any lessons of God's faithfulness in your life, oh, friend, please do not keep that to yourself. Honestly, that's what Satan would want, for you to to hold that to yourself. Uh, Love one another and bring God glory as we comfort others with the comfort we have received from God. You know, this is one of the many reasons why the older saints are so precious to the body of Christ. If you would consider yourself to be an older saint here this morning, uh, do you realize that you are in a prime position to do exactly what Paul is talking about in this passage? You have lived more life. Uh, You have navigated more trials. And therefore, you have experienced more of God's comfort. God has been kind to give our church lots of young marriages and young professionals and young believers. We need to hear of God's faithful, comforting hand in the midst of trials and steadfastness that the Lord has grown in you over time. Uh, Thank you for all of the ways in which you already do that in this church. I want to encourage the older saints, keep going, keep going. And to those here this morning who consider themselves younger saints. This is one of the many reasons why you need to hear and know the older saints among us. If you've not gotten to know some of them, I would encourage you to. Of course, you know, find ways in which you can love on them and and serve them. But I would also encourage you to ask them about God's faithfulness in their lives. Ask about ways in which the Lord has, has brought them through trials. Possibly even some of the trials that you will one day face. And how he has remained faithful through them all. I'd like to draw your attention to the word salvation in verse 6. Uh, Paul is speaking to Christians. So he's, he's not pointing to this comfort as a means to be saved. But instead is saying it's, it's already yours to enjoy. Uh, you have it now and you will have it fully. When you die or the Lord comes back, whichever happens first. Uh, but salvation is the ultimate comfort. A comfort that rests on a sure foundation, the rock of our salvation, Jesus the Christ. So for those here this morning who are maybe not trusting in Jesus for salvation, I, I do wanna start off by saying, we're so glad that you're here. You are more than welcome to always be here every Sunday morning. But the comfort that Paul speaks about in this passage, it's a, it's a byproduct of an eternal comfort. When Christ died and rose from the grave, he, he purchased a piece Uh, that we could never afford. He was reconciling sinful man to a holy God. Apart from the eternal comfort that Jesus offers here in this text, uh, there is no lasting comfort. But the good news is that it can still be yours if you would turn from your sins and put your trust in Christ. But for the Christian, one of the many, many benefits of being comforted by God is that it creates in us a trust that leads to perseverance. At this point in Paul's correspondence with the Corinthian church, they were finally bearing fruit in keeping with repentance. And Paul wanted nothing more than for them to keep doing so. Paul is here practicing what he preaches. Uh, by recounting the comfort he received from God as a result of affliction, he's, he's spurring them on to perseverance. Affliction is coming. Oh, but comfort is coming as well, and in the form of Christ himself. Uh, So salvation, being in Christ, plus suffering for Christ, equals comfort from God. Uh, Salvation, being in Christ, plus suffering for Christ, equals comfort from God. God secures all three. He saves us and sustains us, and Paul wanted the Corinthians to be fully aware so that when suffering came they would glorify god by comforting one another but paul ends verse 6 with a condition to experience this comfort from others and ultimately from god there is a patient endurance necessary in the midst of suffering as is the case for the entire christian life when we sung it earlier we must wait on the lord in the midst of suffering the temptation it is to take matter, matters into our own hands. Uh, but Paul is calling for a, a patient endurance to go through the suffering uh, because it's in our patient endurance that the Lord meets us with his presence and his power. Saints, we can stop looking for an escape hatch, right? There's a gift in the trial itself if you look to the Lord for comfort while in it. God is the source of our comfort. Comforting others is the goal of our comfort. And lastly, verses five and seven, we see that sharing in Christ's sufferings leads to a hope unshaken. So point number three, the hope of our comfort being Christ. So Paul, he roots his argument in sharing abundantly in Christ's sufferings. How do we share in Christ's sufferings? Now, what Christ did was unique. Only he could bear the sins of the world. But when Paul says Christ's sufferings, he's referring to the unity that Christians share with Christ, uh, specifically because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Paul speaks in, to this in uh, Philippians 3, verses 10 and 11. It says, that I may know him and the, the power of his resurrection, and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Uh, We share in Christ's sufferings as we endure hardship for his name. As we live in the world, but not of the world. As we pursue holiness in a world that pursues sin. Uh, Being in Christ means in many ways, our lives will run parallel with our savior. He died, therefore our old man died. He suffered, therefore we will suffer. He rose and therefore we will rise too. So when Paul grounds his argument for being able to comfort others in sharing in Christ's sufferings, he's saying that Christ continues to identify himself with his afflicted church. Uh, does this sound foreign to you? Christ's sufferings, sharing in Christ's sufferings? Uh, maybe there's a part of you that believes that now that you're a Christian, life should be comfortable. Well, the biblical reality is that we follow a suffering servant, Uh, the slain lamb. We share in the sufferings of the crucified king, Uh, Romans 8, 16, and 17. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Key words here, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Uh, This is why there is no place in scripture for the prosperity gospel. Uh, This idea that uh, Christ died for our health, wealth, and happiness. To suffer is to identify with our loving Savior. He suffered, bled, and died to bring us eternal comfort. And as we endure sufferings and keep our eyes on his suffering, we extend comfort to others as we receive comfort from him. You know, this is why Paul could say in verse 7, our hope for you is. Is unshaken. Uh, This hope was not coming from his ability to endure trials whatsoever, but instead from a knowledge that sharing in Christ's sufferings meant sharing in Christ's comfort. Paul's hope for the Corinthians is unshaken, not because of them, oh, but because of Christ. Romans 5, 3 through 5. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character. And character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Uh, The Apostle Paul was addressing the Corinthian church in a time which identifying with Christ was most certainly meant uh, suffering immediately and, and likely physically. Yet, the reality is that sharing in Christ's sufferings is not limited to first century Christians. Paul's benediction here is for all who have trusted in Christ for salvation. If you have been made dead to sin and alive in Christ, then you too will share in both Christ's sufferings and Christ's comfort. Like Paul, our hope is unshaken uh, because Christ is risen. One way that Jesus comforts us today is by giving us uh, reminders of what he's done for us. In a few moments, we'll be taking part in the Lord's Supper, a symbol which Christ has given us to remember his sufferings and also remember our eternal comfort. As you partake and remember Christ's death, also remember Christ's comfort that he has purchased for you on the cross. Curse Baptist Church, when you face sufferings because you will, look to the source of your comfort, God. Remember the goal of your comfort, others And rest in the hope of your comfort, Christ. Let's pray.